Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Nick. Barry Moon again. Sorry to trouble you, mate. Those last two interviews have been absolutely outstanding. Well, I've just listened to Mike Calvin. What a lovely man. And Steve Clary's one. Well, you know, it was unbelievable. I say, pity they can't be put out on mainstream or somewhere for you to listen to. That was brilliant. Anyway, so sorry to bother you, but um, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Bye. Nick, that's for all the team, mate, for that interview with Steve Claridge. It's the best interview I've heard, mate, from an ex-player. It was fabulous. What a fabulous hour's interview, Steve, to the other guy as well. Uh, Nick, thanks a lot, mate. I really appreciate that. I'm going to send that on to a few mates as well. Thank you, Steve. Uh, thank you, Nick. I mean, uh, Nick, he's Deji Kempster. Thank you, mate. Thanks a lot for that. It was a fabulous, fabulous interview. Listening to Acton Millwall Emergency Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Millwall Fan Show and Acton Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Acton Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. You are listening to the number one Millwall podcast. This is just a shortened edition just for today. I'm recording this on um, Wednesday. Afternoon, 29th of April, it's a greyish day out. I just wanted to say a few thank yous and bits and pieces, really. We've had a very busy time of it of late, as I'm sure any aficionados of of the show will know. We've had quite a few fairly high-profile interviews in the last few days, um, and still more to come, dear listeners. I wanted to say a thank you, first of all, to everyone who's contributed to the show. I'm actually in the strange position of having shows backed up. Um, <laughs> um, I've, I've done um, you know shows with, with our regular contributors that I've got on my computer that have yet to be edited and have yet to be put out. So I, I wanted to apologise to everyone who's been um, you know involved in the show so far, for those who have made some substantial contributions to shows that have not yet been put out, and I'm aware that I'm sitting on some of this stuff at the moment. And I don't want to come across as arrogant or anything of that kind. I really appreciate everyone that gets in touch. I appreciate all the contributors to the shows. And um, I've actually got stuff in, in hand to to put out. I'm trying not to over, over uh, dilute the market with uh, with stuff at the moment. But we've had some fairly major um, 
interviews in the last few days. I've actually had to head off a couple of a couple of guys. You're, you're Dave and, and Graham. You're both um, in my mind. So I've got you lined up for next week for um, review shows, nostalgia shows for the past. So looking forward to doing those. It's just the being a bit mad, if I'm honest with you, dear listeners. And um, so I just wanted to um, say that uh, to everyone who's made made um, efforts to um, do stuff with me, I am aware of, of the fact that I've not put a lot of the stuff out yet and I will be putting it out over the days and weeks ahead. So thank you for that, chaps. Um, if you haven't seen um, any of the shows recently, obviously or heard any of the shows, we're not a video outlet, are we? We are a, an audio-only production, and, and that will remain so. Um, days of me going on YouTube are probably uh, limited, I reckon. Uh, maybe 30 years ago might have been worth looking at, but not, not so much now, dear listeners. Um... We've had a great interview. I don't know if you caught the Mike Calvin interview. That went out yesterday. Sports journalist Mike Calvin, author of Family, um, No no, um, no Hunger in Paradise, uh, Living on the Volcano, major, major sports writer. Very well known at Millwall for his work with Family. Great conversation. Really, really nice bloke. Well worth a listen. That was with uh, Aaron and Ryan yesterday. Um, that's edition 244. On the podcast, we had a real humdinger of a conversation with Steve Claridge the other night. Um, what an open bloke Steve is. Um, lots and lots of content in that interview. That's that's two, four, three. Well worth a listen in its own right, in my opinion. Um, you can you whatever your views of um, you know the the two thousand and 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 five six season are. It was it was a disaster season, but it's really interesting to to get Steve's take on that. We've also been putting out some Australian shows, which thanks to to Jimmy Webb out there in, in Perth, in Australia, Western Australia. Oztong, well, there's, there's Oztong 1 and Oztong 2 out. There'll be another one at the weekend. So thanks for Jimmy for the content you've sent over. We're, 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 I'm really, really pleased to be receiving that. And if you, we do have any Australian listeners, and what about the USA? We get quite a lot of listens, strange as it might sound to some, in the USA, and I'd love, I'd love to get something similar to Oztong going for the USA. But get in touch if you're an American listener and you want to contribute anything to the show. I'd, I'd really love to reach out. I want to break America. I want to be like the Beatles. I want to break America into America. That's what I want to do. Really, isn't it? Um, two for two. A tribute to Len Tyler was a wonderful show. That was a conversation with. Terry, his son Terry, um, regarding Len, who was a wartime and then post-war player for Millwall back in the really tough wartime years and then the post-war austerity, it was in some ways even tougher. Um, Len was a character. That's edition two for it's well worth a listen. I want to try and develop some more of that. I'm trying to make efforts to try and reach some of the older players, if we can. I think it's a kind of, um, I don't know if it's a historical document. It might be over overdoing it. It's a Millwall show at the end of the day. But it would be wonderful to record with some of the old guys and get some of the stories. I mean, once once it's gone, it's gone, dear listeners. Um, you know, it goes for life generally in these, in these strange times, doesn't it? But it would be wonderful to try and get as much as possible of those years on the record, on the show. So please do... Get in touch if uh, you have any connections to any old players or if you know them or if they'd want to talk to me. Um, just a phone call. Um, be great to hear from anyone. So do get in touch with the with me at uh, Akdong Millwall. 
at gmail.com. Or if you want to um, leave a voicemail, it's 0208 144 0232. Or you can um, message me via Twitter, which is now Achtung, at Achtung Millwall. And send me a message. I'm always pleased to hear from everybody. Um, just a couple of other shows that I'm just um, looking for. Obviously, there's the David Ford interview that's been really, really popular. What an interesting bloke Ford he is. Um, kind of deep conversation in parts. It's also a laugh. Um, it touches on football, but also some other stuff that he's doing now. Um, Two-part interview because it was a long one. And I think it's well worth well worth a tune in for that. Um, he's, he's, he's an interesting bloke. He's gone into the world of um, coaching and mentoring and and um, you know kind of development, personal development, I suppose you call it, which can be a bit airy fairy, happy clappy, um, and I suppose instinctively, like all um, blokes of a certain era, like me, um, you run a mile from that kind of stuff. But therein lies the problem. So. Um, David Ford interview, 239, that's well worth a check out if you haven't done so already. It's a two-part, 238, 239. Um, and there are other shows plenty. I am working on, I have to edit, um, a fantastic conversation that we had yesterday between Aaron, uh, myself, and Mr. Tony Cascarino. What a character Cass is. I, I've never spoken to him before. What a lovely bloke! What a character! Um, that's going to be another two-part interview because it was it, it, we we occupied the best part of ninety minutes on on the um, on the Zoom meeting call, um, which is a great facility. Zoom, it's the you know sort what we're all at at the moment. But Cass was wonderful company, and I'm really looking forward to getting that one out to you. Uh, ASAP. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the thank yous continue. Obviously, um, everyone who's contributed to the shows, as I've said, but also everyone who's got in touch with me via the various messaging and email services and all the many, many ways that you can get in touch with us. Now, really, really love to hear from the listeners and I've got one here from David Leder Kramer which I'm going to read because um 
done no prep for this show. It's really pretty much off off the the top of my head, really, as we go through. Um, so this is um, Millwall Memories is the title of the email. David Leder Kramer is the is the author. Um, hi Nick, firstly thanks for the terrific output, not only during this pandemic but also during the season itself. That's very kind of you, David. Much appreciated. Um, I smiled to myself when a few months back you mentioned that the podcast got a lot more hits after we won than when we had gone down to some miserable defeat or some depressing hellhole like Wigan. <laughs> we do get more hits when we've won, um, listeners, that's that's for sure. Um, when we win, I, I listen to most of the podcast, occasionally fast-forwarding to any commentary around the goal. That's interesting. I didn't know people did that. You mean you don't want to listen to everything I've got to say? What? When we lose, I either do not listen or simply immerse myself in the gloomy post-match analysis in a kind of Millwall-esque masochistic way. I reckon a lot of your listeners do the same. Do you do the same, listeners? Just immerse yourself in sadomasochistic BDSM-style listening. There we are. Um, so anyway, David's story. I, I started supporting the Lions when I was probably five or six years old, which is now over 60 years ago. So David's in his mid-60s. I was, and I am, in an unusual supporter in some ways. My dad, who sadly passed away in 2017 at the ripe old age of 96, was a Millwall supporter. He was born and brought up on the Old Kent Road. Nothing unusual about that, of course, but he and all my family are Jewish, and there's actually a small but very passionate band of Jewish Millwall supporters. I didn't know that. Did you know that, listeners? I didn't know that. Um, so David's dad moved to northwest London in 1938, but he never lost his love for the Lions. And it was passed on to, to me, to David, and to my two sons, and then on to my three grandsons. One other side note is that his brother, my uncle Len, was a mad Charlton fan. We, they get everywhere, unfortunately, David. Um, every year we used to have a bet on who would finish higher if we were in the same division. I won every year. Charlton had a gift that keep on giving. So growing up in northwest London as a Jewish Millwall supporter was interesting. I bet it was. Um, I was looked at as some kind of freak by my football-loving friends, all of whom practically without exception supported Arsenal or Tottenham. By the way, there are arguably just as many Jewish Arsenal supporters as there are Tottenham, despite the public's perception of uh, Spurs' Jewish connections. When I was 12, we were drawn at home to play Tottenham in the FA Cup in 1965. A number of your listeners had stories about this, and here is mine. I persuaded my dad to allow me to go and buy a ticket for the game, big game FA Cup match against Spurs. As you may recall, the tickets went on sale on a Sunday, I, I, before my time, David, um, but I've heard that. So David had a really long journey by tube to get to the ground, and Julie arrived after about a couple of hours from northwest London. I spent another two hours in the freezing cold and then got my prized ticket. Imagine my joy as I went home clutching the hard-earned ticket to my chest, terrified I might lose it. So the week of the game arrived and my father said he wanted a word. You aren't going to watch the match. I've read about it and it will be a huge game with thousands of people. I'm worried you're going to get hurt. So clearly Dad was um, aware of the Millwall versus Spurs aspect of it, which in the mid-60s was um, was there as well. So that was that. In those days, you didn't answer back, and your father's word was law. Um, hmm. I tried my best to get him to change his mind, but nothing would work. Match day arrived, and I was marooned in Edgware, and I couldn't go. In those days, it was the radio that gave you any updates, and I learned that we had drawn nil-nil, a replay at White Hart Lane. Now, of course, White Hart Lane was a lot nearer to the den. My school friend Danny Silverstone was a mad uh, Tottenham supporter, and we agreed to go to the game together if Dad would agree. Some chance. 
However, for some reason, he thought that the Spurs ground, being first division, was safer than the den, and he relented. So we went and stood initially in the huge crowd by the corner flag. I was being crushed, and somehow, and this is a weird fact when you had terraces and lots of tightly packed fans, somehow we were pushed along the terrace, so by the, half, the first half I was behind the goal. It, it was an odd thing. I must. I, I, I never had that once, um, David, but yeah, I know what you mean. I was in the Tottenham end. They scored and won it 1-0. And I had to pretend to be pleased, but in truth, I was relieved to get alive. <laughs> I found out the crowd was their biggest post-war crowd, and I think nearly 60,000. That's incredible when you... I mean, having been to White Hart Lane quite recently, comparatively speaking, the idea of getting 60,000 in that um, big stadium, but quite a small stadium in some respects, um, is amazing. But then 40,000 at Goldblow Lane, wow. Um, I have lots more memories and stories about Millwall and my various games, as we all do. Some funny and some heartbreaking. I've nearly always gone to games on my own, which a lot of people think is a bit odd. I don't think it's odd. I think it's quite normal, but there we are. Maybe I'm odd. When I get there, of course, as a season ticket holder, I know all the people around me. That's right, you do. I know a lot of people go with mates, and the camaraderie is really important. But actually, I like the me time that the journey and the match brings. Keep up the good work and stay safe. Best wishes, David. That's really, really nice email, David. Really appreciate that. I'd love to hear any more stories. Um, Jewish Millwall fans. I, I, I mean, we, we're a broad church, and one thing that's always annoyed me, and struck me, as a Millwall fan, is the wide range of people who are Millwall fans. I mean, there really isn't a stereotype. There, there is, um, there, there is the kind of um, the cliche. Of course, we all know about that. But there's a, there's, you know, you really do see black fans, uh, Turkish, um, Jewish. I, I didn't know about that, but. You know, Irish, uh, you name it, there are Millwall fans from across the spectrum and long may that remain so. Fantastic stuff by Leder, David Leder Kramer there. Thank you for that one, David. Another thank you from um, Malcolm Bone. Um, hope all is well. I wanted to say what a brilliant interview with James Hill. This was the one that we did about COVID-19 and the impact on the game, Malcolm. Um, Malcolm says how enlightening was that and he confirms what everyone knows that there's a big minefield out there to trying to sort it out and as you mentioned to him it would be great to get, get another chat as things progress as it will be really interesting to hear his thoughts and opinions I think it will be um, Malcolm because obviously um, we're still slightly in a quandary I, I saw a report that UEFA wanted um, proposals from its um, major leagues to bring a, the season to a conclusion by the end of May um, which is all very well, but then we've still got people dying, quite frankly, um, from this awful disease at the moment. So um, the French League, I believe, has also postponed to September, um, so no chance of them. Um, they're a fairly major player in the European scene. I can't see us doing much that's different. Uh, I know the Bundesliga, Germany, were going to start training. I just can't see the sanity of that if I'm going to be honest but we will um, ask James to come back another day when there's a little bit more clarity over where um, English football in particular is going to be going to be headed one more thank you um, or email um, contact via a chap called Colin Lacey um, thank you dear Nick thank you for the numerous and fabulous output that's that's very good it's been nice to be able to do stuff that people have enjoyed Colin to be honest with you um, it's um you know, you, you can you you have to do what you can do in this world and in this life, and um, I'm really glad that people are enjoying these shows. We're trying to keep it varied. We're trying to keep it as um, I hope intelligent. That's that's what I've always tried to 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 achieve, and you know, hopefully we'll keep that keep that going. Um, 
So Colin was um, just wanted to tell me his, his story, which is I, I find these these emails fascinating. Do do send more out there, listeners. Um, but Colin was a Barnaby pub man, great pub, the Barnaby. Um, we used to travel up from Mottingham to go to the disco pub at the Barnaby back in the eighties, and uh, it used to be rammed, packed in now. I mean, different times, block of flats now. Um, sadly, but um, he was a Barnaby pub man, so he used to stand on the Alderton Road on the at that end of the ground. And we would always leave the pub straight after three o'clock and get involved in a horse race to be in the ground by five to ten past, as they hated queuing. So you could walk straight in at five past. That was that would be a bit of a dash, I reckon. I suppose you go straight up there. Was it Hornshay Street, Colin? There, up past the old dog track and in at the back of the um, of, of the old ground. Um, so Colin's just making a suggestion. He'd love a program about people's favourite game. His was Chesterfield away. In the last game of the 82-83 season, uh, Mill almost down. Then George Graham became a manager. Our form improved and we found ourselves needing to win our last three games to stay up and miraculously our last two home games and finally then at Chesterfield. Um, we're actually planning a show on that season, um, Colin. Um, Graham, one of the chaps that I mentioned already, um, I was due to speak, I just overrun with work. So I've, I've actually... Um, Got got that planned for the near future, so so stay tuned for eighty two eighty three. Um, Colin continued. It was us, them or us, to go down Chesterfield or us, and we had to win. Captain, capital letters. And when Dean White was sent off in the first ten minutes for a crazy tackle, we were down to ten men. And Dave Cusack set at centre half, scored a penalty in the second half. We won one nil to stay up. Um, myself, my three friends, Colin Bargent, Tom, question mark, don't know his surname, Gary Hobbs and his brother, who we lost to, and his brother Neil, who we lost to cancer in December 1861, uh, were true fans in every sense of the word, um, and it's sorely missed. Um, they had the biggest mill banner you've ever seen in, in at the time, and we were in the Chesterfield end with their fans, and they helped hold it up throughout the game, which was memorable. Talk about a season of two halves. Uh, George Graham's signing of little Jimmy Carter from QPR Reserves was the catalyst. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Colin. That is fantastic stuff. And as I say again and again and again, please do send more. I love to read this kind of stuff. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Now then, um, I thought we would close this week's, or today's show, not this week, we're putting out shows pretty regularly. Uh, we've caught we closed this show shall I say, um, with one of my random fixtures from the past. So I've put my uh, dates in the in the number generator. It's come up with the year 1916, First World War, 29th of April 1916. And there is a report um, from a paper published that very day. We always try and get one as close as we can to the this day in the year chosen. Um, so just to set the, the scene, 1916, the First World War, We've been running for just short of two years, about one year and probably about eight, eight or nine months or so by the time this match was played. Um, the Battle of the Somme was due to commence, well, no one knew it at this point, due to commence on July the 1st. Greatest cataclysm, I think, um, in British Army history. Disastrous first morning. 60,000 casualties on the first morning. Um, but that was yet uh, two months away as this match was being played, but certainly, certainly the First World War and the horror of the trenches were in full, full swing as Millwall drew with Crystal Palace. This is a report from the people, Sunday people, dated uh, 29th of April 
1916. The, the game was played in what they called the London Combination, which was, um, um, as we've said a few times on other shows, uh, wartime football was organised along the lines of guest players, soldiers, servicemen, um, whoever was in the vicinity of, 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 of a club and who could play. Um, could pretty much get a game, um, you know, as, as a means of um, release and rec- uh, rec- recreation, I suppose you'd call it. It was organised around a loose competition called the London Combination. Um, this match was Mill 2, Crystal Palace 2. I'll read the report in its entirety, only a paragraph or two. Um, although each side appeared at New Cross considerably below average strength, a last game of the season was witnessed by 4,000 people. I think that is. The, the paper is a little uh, smudged. 4,000 people I'm going to go with. And eventually a draw of two goals each resulted. During the opening half, Millwall had to face a rather strong wind. But it did the major part of the pressing. And after Johnson had saved remarkable shots from Davis and Lamb, he was beaten by Nock. Must be a Palace player. The Palace had a couple of players from the Royal Naval Division team. Um, improved near the interval, but there was no sting in any of the shots delivered. Soon after the resumption, an unusual mistake by Winyard, who fumbled an easy shot, allowed Nicol to equalise, and midway through the closing stages, during which Johnson made many brilliant saves at close quarters, Davis put Millwall ahead, <clears throat> but near the end, Petty Officer Cracknell brought the team's level again. The best back on the field was Green of the winning team, and he got admirable support from Lance Corporal Dines. That's a couple of points there. Uh, keep Lance Corporal Dines in your in your head, if you will, dear listeners. Um, as you have been able to tell from that report, um, many of the players that day were in the service. The Royal Naval Division was mentioned. This was a couple of play- Palace players from the Royal Naval Division, which was an interesting body. And I was just listening on another podcast to the formation of the Royal Naval Division, which was a, a creation of Winston Churchill, one of the strange truths of um, the early period of the of the First World War for Britain was that um, Britain was a naval power. It was not uh, a military army-based power. So there were, apparently there were more sailors than we had ships, uh, many more sailors than we that could um, staff ships when we had a vast fleet at the time. So those spare sailors were formed up there something called the Royal Naval Division, which um, would see action on land in the battlefields of of, um, of, of France. So yeah, uh, the Royal Naval Division. So a couple of those the, the guys were playing for Palace, and as we as we can tell, Petty Officer Cracknell, I guess, would be one of the maybe one of the Royal Naval uh, guys there, um, and also Lance Corporal Dines. Now, uh, Joe Dines is named on the Millwall, uh, the official war memorial, Lewisham Council Memorial, which is at the club. We're trying to, I'd love to see it um, fixed up properly outside and trying to work with the um, MSC to see if that can be done because I believe it must be inside the ground somewhere, inside the offices somewhere. No one, um, yes, it should be outside in my opinion. So no one can see it, be my point. Um, there are four names on there, which um, one of which is is, is uh, Lance Corporal Dines, who was a guest player for Millwall. So I did a little bit of research on Joseph Dines. I'm just going to switch over to the uh, the Wikipedia page. He's a remarkable man, Joseph Dines, and I think that if we can do anything with these shows, a little bit like we did with the the Len Tyler show, and as I've said already, 
um, the history stuff. I think it's really, really important that, A, that we know our history, and second, that the deeds and the actions of these incredible men are recorded. And if we can do something, some small thing to help along that way, then that's kind of the point, in my opinion, of this of this show. So Joseph Dines, Joseph Frank Dines was born 12th of April, 1886. He died on 27th of September, 1918. Uh, war, war would not finish until November, of course, 1918. So he died... Tragically, just a couple of months short of the of the armistice. I've also um, had Liverpool connections, regimental connections, and he played for Liverpool. So there's a, a, a Liverpool fan site here, a memorial site, which I'm also going to read um, on Joe Dines. Second Lieutenant Joe Dines of the King's Liverpool Regiment, killed in France, was one of the most popular footballers in London, as well as one of the best amateur halfbacks in association football during the period immediately preceding the war. He was a native of King's Lynn um, and made his name of Ilford. He received his first cap for England in the amateur game against, sorry, an England amateur cap against Wales, 1909-10. Between that period and the outbreak of war, he was one of the first choices for England in the amateur internationals and was well known to football enthusiasts on the continent. Altogether, he played in 24 amateur international matches, including fixtures against Wales, Ireland, France, Holland, Belgium, Denmark, Switzerland, Sweden and Germany. In 1912, he assisted England to win the Association Trophy at the Olympic Games in Stockholm after a hard game against Denmark in the final. And in the 1913-14 uh, season, he represented the amateurs against the professionals in the trials match. He re represented London and Essex in county football, something that you don't get so much now, I don't think, county football and assisted Ilford to win several trophies. After amateur club football was closed down, <clears throat> he played for Millwall until he was granted leave to enlist by the educational authorities. And the source for that from this playupliverpool.com was the Illustrated Sporting and Dramatic News of October 1918. So there we are. Um, a man um, of, of some standing, in my opinion. He played at centre-half. Um, he was a second lieutenant in the King's Liverpool Regiment. Uh, he passed away, aged 31, in action on the Western Front. And his, uh, his grave is at Agnicourt in northern France. Uh, left, Second Lieutenant Joseph Dines at rest in peace. I hope you enjoyed this little show. It's, it's very much done on the hoof. Um, not much structure to it, so I apologise to that. But I hope you've enjoyed the various parts of it. I'm now going to put this online and then I'm going to get editing... Mr. Tony Cascarino, and we're going to get that out to you ASAP. Thank you for listening, dear listeners. Arrivederci, Millwall. Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com All one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232 That's 0208 144 0232 leave us a voicemail no human will be involved in the receipt of your message 
So give us a shout, tell us what you think about all things Millwall, and the best messages will be read out on air. Achtung, Millwall. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.